Hi, welcome to episode one of The Elders. I'm your host, Lion Man. I hope this podcast finds you safe and healthy. And I hope your loved ones are all free from this COVID-19 virus as we come together around the world to defeat this enemy. I want to give you some background into my life and how it has been affected by the band KISS. Uh, You might be saying, well, what makes this podcast any different? than any other KISS podcast. As we all know, there's hundreds of KISS podcasts and some really, really good ones. Like Shout It Out Loud cast, The KISS Room, to name a couple. So many other ones. My spin is I want to get every view that there is about this band. I want people who love them to voice their opinion. I want people that hate them to voice their opinion. I have a lot of uh, friends that at one time were huge, absolutely huge KISS fans, and now they can't stand them. They won't even listen to one song by them. I want their views on the band. I want people who've never liked them to talk about why they've never liked them. Um, So my take or my spin on this podcast would be I welcome all views I want all views and I want all views to be heard and respected don't have to agree with each other we can agree to disagree without being disagreeable a little info on me in this uh, episode one and from there we'll start interviewing people future episodes to get their takes Uh, My background, I'm a child of the 70s. I grew up with my parents' music, which was mainly Elvis and the Beatles, uh, which I still love to this day. Um, The Beatles are actually my favorite band, but Kiss was my favorite band as a youth, in many ways a gateway band to many other artists. Uh, I discovered KISS as a young child in 1977 when I got the album Rock and Roll Over. And that artwork on the cover of that album is so iconic. And it's just so memorable. Even to this day, still remains one of the greatest covers in rock and roll history. And uh, as soon as I put the needle on the turntable as it was in the 70s, and I heard the first few chords I was hooked and uh, turns out I'd be hooked for most of my adult life uh, my parents growing up my parents hated Kiss and that made me like them even more because uh, kids like things that their parents don't like and rock and roll is supposed to be dangerous and if your parents like something then it's no longer dangerous. A good example, uh, when I got older in the 80s, uh, junior high, uh, we were driving uh, down the road in my mom's car and Bon Jovi's new album, Slippery When Wet, was out and they were playing Living on a Prayer. And I had heard that song several times before and I really liked it. And as we're driving down the street, 
<clears throat> I heard my mom start singing the lyrics. And I immediately got weirded out. And I no longer like Bon Jovi because I'm like, well, if my mom's singing this song, how dangerous and how rock and roll could it actually be. So uh, that was my uh, the end of my love affair with uh, Bon Jovi, to say the least. Uh, growing up in the 70s, most of the kids in elementary school were huge Kiss fans. I remember bringing albums and merchandise to school to show my friends and my friends would do the same. We would often trade albums, Kiss albums, like baseball cards. I remember trading my love gun for Dynasty when Dynasty first came out. And the kid who traded with me, he had this smirk on his face like I just got one over on this guy. But to be honest, I love Dynasty just as much as I do Love Gun. And they're both great albums in their own way. Uh, I even like the two disco songs. I was made for loving you and sure know something. You know, the, the, those were the songs that turned most of the hardcore fans off. Uh, I actually like those songs. And the rest of the album I thought was really solid. Especially uh, what Ace contributed to that album. Um, I would often as a child put ketchup in my mouth and spit it out all over the place and try to hurry and clean it up before my mom caught me because I wanted to be Gene Simmons because we all know the back of the you know the Alive 2 where it has the picture of Gene spitting blood and that was just so cool to a kid in the 70s uh, when I got older I would even put kerosene in my mouth me and my friends and blow onto a paper full of fire to get that uh fire effect that gene did on stage <coughs> excuse me um so you know kids doing silly stuff trying to Im imitate people that they looked up to uh you know same thing happens today just in different ways kids will be kids um another thing is uh Whenever Kiss came on the radio or TV, it was such a huge moment in the 70s because we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have all this access to go watch videos. And uh, we didn't have Spotify where we could just pull up a song anytime we want and listen to whatever song we wanted. So whenever your favorite band would come on TV uh, or the radio, it was huge. And uh, uh, this was even before MTV. So these were, uh, I guess they used to call them promos, where they would send these videos out to television stations and radio stations. Um, but, you know, singing Kiss on the Paul Lynn Halloween special was huge. Uh, uh, the Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. That was actually the second most watched show on TV that year behind Roots, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, they were huge. They were popular whenever we got a chance to see them as children it would just you know as they would say make our days uh halloween you know i was dressed up uh as ace if i could because he was my favorite member and you know i played all his solos on brooms and tennis rackets like thousands of other little boys in the 70s did uh i collected the kiss trading cards i think donruss if i'm not mistaken was the company that made these cars i think they came out in 78 i could be mistaken about that uh but i remember walking down to the store and buying my pack of kiss cards and going home and 
you know, spreading them out on the floor and seeing which ones I got, which ones were duplicates, trying to turn them over and complete the puzzle. Um, I also look forward to going to the roller skating rink on Friday nights because they had the Kiss pinball machine. So not only could I roller skate, but I could also play the pinball machine. So uh, a lot of uh, Kiss-related things to do as a child of the 70s. Um, as the original lineup broke up and members quit or were replaced, the mystique of the band was gone, mainly due to a lot of pop music that they decided to put out, you know, starting with uh, that quote-unquote disco song, and an ill-fated attempt at being Pink Floyd by, you know, even uh, bringing in Bob Ezrin, who was the producer for The Wall, and also he had produced Destroyer. Uh, that brought him Bob Ezrin, and they wanted to do their quote-unquote concept album. Uh, so all this combined together, uh, starting with the disco song, I Was Made For Loving You, you know, that started the snowball rolling down a hill, you could say, and the elder was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. You know, uh, and you might be thinking, well, if you think this, then why did you name your podcast The Elder? Well, that's a good question. Well, it's because I actually like the album. It has several strong tracks and is way better than, uh, than most people will want to admit. It's just not what you would call a quote-unquote kiss album. It doesn't mean it's a bad album. Uh, in fact, the lyrics, the song lyrics on that album is the best in their career. They had Ghost Riders and also people like Lou Reed that wrote lyrics for the songs. And if you just sit down and read the lyrics, you're like, you would say, man, this does not sound like Kiss lyrics. <coughs> the music was adventurous, but the project lacked focus and direction. And on top of it all, we had Paul Stanley trying to do his best Barry Gibb impersonation. Uh, so all these combined made its album forgettable for most KISS fans and for people who weren't KISS fans just gave them fuel to the fire to uh, even criticize the band even more. Now Ace had a lot of bright spots on the album even though and rightfully so he hated the concept and the album. He didn't want to do it. He wanted to get more back to the basic uh, roots of rock and you know put out an album that kicked people in the balls and made people say okay now these guys are back you know they're they've quit trying to be the bgs and they want to be more like sabbath but he was outvoted because by this time peter was no longer in the band and eric carr the new drummer uh he was going to do whatever paul and gene told him to <clears throat> the short hair that uh they had on the album and paul stanley's flash dance costumes uh was really uh, something that caught the few loyal fans that remained off guard. You know, Paul and his headbands, I did, you know, he was looking like something out of Flashdance. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to imagine what he was thinking at that point in time. Uh, it was admittedly hard being a Kiss fan at this time because there was so much great metal music out in the early 80s. You know, you had all these bands from England, this British metal, quote-unquote, that was coming uh, into popularity. You know, Priest, Maiden, Saxon, 
all these bands and not to mention one of the greatest albums in history had just came out a couple years earlier with Back in Black by ACDC. I mean, it was really hard uh, to admit, hey, I'm a Kiss fan because they were making pop music and you had bands like Def Leppard that were putting out Pyromania and High and Dry and Motley Crue's first couple of albums were really good and it was just you know it was really hard to own up to being a Kiss fan at this point in time so uh with that being said the glory of the 1970s where Kiss was arguably the most popular band in the world and they even won poll Gallup polls where they were voted most popular band in the world for two or three years in a row uh, that level of success, that glory of the 1970s was over. It was lost and it never would be found ever again on that same level. The uh, amount of friends I have made due to KISS is impossible to count. Uh, it's crazy to think how many people have been moved by KISS and how many lives have been affected by these four guys from New York. Uh, I've made so many new friends throughout the course of my life once we discovered we had a shared passion for KISS. And it once that's discovered, it's just like lights go out and you just sit there and you talk to each other nonstop for, you know, one hour, two hours, and next thing you know, you know, you're so, so close and you have that bond in common. Uh, that happened to me more times than I can count. Uh, and it's, it's something that's really cool that, you know, I don't know if a lot of bands, uh, fans have that connection to that degree. Um, <coughs> the only thing is I've never had a girlfriend who was into Kiss at best, they tolerate him. I've never had a girlfriend who's like, oh my God, I love Kiss. They're so cool. They're great. And they're this. I've had girlfriends that have tolerated them. Most of them haven't even liked them, to be honest with you. Uh, they just kind of tolerated my passion for them while they're rolling their eyes, right? I followed Kiss through the 80s and 90s, becoming a fan of Eric Carr and Bruce Kulick. However, the albums were me mediocre at best, usually containing three to four good or tolerable songs, with the rest being filler. That I would happily fast forward, mind you. Uh, the albums, Animalize, all the way up to Hot and Shade, were albums that if I had not been a serious fan of Kiss in the 70s, I probably wouldn't even bought them, to be honest with you. There were some good songs on them here or there, but nothing worthy of heavy rotation on my CD player especially uh, during the late 80s. The release of Revenge was a pleasant surprise due to the unapologetic heaviness and their back-to-basic, you know, balls-to-the-wall approach instead of trying to be Bon Jovi or Def Leppard, you know. There's some songs that on uh, that are on Hot in the Shade that I'm surprised that Def Leppard didn't sue the shit out of Kiss because they was just blatant ripoffs, um, and that's not bad if you're Def Leppard. But you know, 
Kiss was w- around way before Def Leppard, and they shouldn't be trying to emulate uh, anybody else. They should have been just trying to do their own thing. Um, my opinion, Revenge is the last good Kiss album has done. I mean, there's some songs on Carnival, so there's a couple songs on Cycle Circus. Uh, there might be one or two songs on Sonic or Monster that are decent. But overall, those albums are beyond forgettable. They're just bland. They, you know, they don't do nothing, at least for me. Um, if I had to categorize myself, I would say I'm an Originals fan. Uh, I would say I tolerate the 80s and 90s, but I do not support the current lineup. It's my opinion. It doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just my choice. I find Paul to be very hypocritical about drug usage. I find Gene to be a bullshitter. Ace, uh, like I said before, is my uh, favorite member. Uh, But by his own admission, he was lazy and most of the time unfocused. Uh, Not to mention his uh, boozing and love of alcohol. Peter seemed to be insecure and needed constant praise. And uh, you might not think that's a big deal but you know if you're around somebody all the time that's like that you might kind of start getting annoyed with that person you know that being said those four guys made great music together and not in the sense that they wrote lyrics on the level as Lennon or McCartney or had the musicianship of Rush or the vocals of Queen but in the sense that when these four guys plugged in they made catchy energetic music with three quality singers, and Ace, who could talk, sing, and tune. You know, he's more of a talker than he, he is a singer. But, you know, Gene, Paul, and Peter have really good voices. And, you know, some people argue Peter had the best voice out, out of all of them, and I think Gene's actually said that in a couple of interviews. Uh, I think Paul's underrated. I think Paul never got his true... Uh, do as his lead singer uh, he got a lot of love for being a great front man which he is but i also think that he had a lot of range as a vocal artist gene he could sing he sung in character you know he sung as the demon and when he did that he he did a good job um you know there's not many bands that have four guys that can sing and contribute on every album so that made them very versatile uh, you know, of course, the Beatles were the first band that we think of where all four guys p- could sing and uh, contribute to the albums in that way. Um, speaking of Ace, I mean, for me, he is the true sound behind the originals. He saved so many songs that were lyrically sophomoric. I mean, uh, listen to the lyrics of Room Service. It sounds like a third grader wrote them. I mean, they're just terrible lyrics uh or he would save plotting songs that were just you know didn't go anywhere they were just plotting along blah blah like strange ways you know it's just a plotting song uh not that it's bad or indifferent it's just plotting and ace would save these sophomore or plotting songs with incredible solos that you could sing note for note like a chorus his vibrato and his feel, you know, was 
so unique and inspired thousands of people to pick up the guitar from, you know, as we all heard, Don Bagdaro to Tom Morello. He wasn't a technical shredder like Eddie or Randy Rhodes, but he could play with feel. And he could say so much with playing so few notes, which is, you know, harder than it seems. You know, think of uh, someone uh, like David Gilmore. David Gilmore has such feel in his playing. If you've never heard the solo to the Pink Floyd song, Time, I mean, it will make the hair stand up on your arms. And he's not playing a million notes a second. He's not tapping and doing all this. He's just playing with feel. And it's so mesmerizing and you know it's kind of hard to say why is playing slow sometimes as hard as playing fast it's just because you have to play how you feel and a lot of players can play a million notes a minute but they have problems with playing four notes with feeling um but ace could do that um if you're not familiar but ace did pinch harmonic tapping before eddie did I'm not, I'm not even putting Ace on the same level as Eddie Van Halen, because I, you know, even though I love Ace, I'm not that crazy. But you know, he did some stuff out there that most people don't even realize, or he doesn't get recognition for. And I'm not even saying he was the first one that did that, but he did do that before Eddie did. I mean, he did that a couple of years before the first Van Halen album ever came out. Um, is he on the same level as Eddie? Well, hell no. I mean, how many people are? There's not many in the world that have ever been on the same level as Eddie. But Ace's style is unique. And you could tell within a f- few notes, hey, that's Ace Freely on, you know, on guitar. That's him playing. Um, so to me, he was the sound behind the originals. Um, just my opinion. Doesn't make it right or wrong. The podcast uh, will talk to people from all walks of life and their relationship with KISS as a band and how they've had an impact upon their lives. Um, Good, bad, or indifferent. Um, There's no on the fence. I want you to pick a side, you know. I'm going to interview people that, hey, I love them. Hey, I hate them. Hey, I used to love them, but now I hate them. Hey, uh, I only like the 80s. Or I only like the current lineup. Or I only like the originals. There's so many ways you can go with this band. And, you know, there are a lot of great bands and music, you know, throughout the 70s and 80s. But how many bands are more fun to talk about than Kiss? Probably none. You know, you have all these great bands you could go through uh, from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. But, you know, there's one band that's constantly always in the news always something happening and they're fun to talk about that's you know as much as i like the eagles they're boring i mean who wants to talk about don felder for god's sakes uh great musician great band they made some amazing music but not much fun to talk about um so you know i want people to feel like they have a platform to explain the way they feel there's no right wrong or indifferent it's just your opinion uh you're not going to be made fun of or you know talk bad about because your opinion might be different than someone's else someone else's um 
So, uh, <clears throat> that's probably going to wrap up this first episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, stay uh, tuned and hopefully you'll subscribe and get ready for the episode two. Uh, thanks for your time and thanks for listening to this podcast. Uh, until next episode, remember only you can take the oath to go on this odyssey to find the dark light that is hidden under the rose. Uh, Until next time, this is the Lion Man. Uh, Stay safe. Good night.